0: Make sure you follow us on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And with that, let's continue with your show.
1: Creating innovative solutions and successfully executing them covers two fronts, design and business. Creating creative and innovative solutions requires a passion for problem-solving Whereas successful execution requires a deep understanding of the market and an innovative business strategy. Bridging the gap between these two fronts with a human-centric and design thinking mindset can help designers provide the best possible solutions to its users. So how can designers use design thinking, adapt to a problem-solving mindset and become the custodian of a problem? To know more about this theme, in this episode, we interact with Dipankar Mukherjee, Vice President Innovation at Nihilant and Chief Innovation Officer at Hyper Collective. With over two decades of experience as a creative professional, he holds expertise in creative leadership, strategy, business development, innovation, and much more. And that's why, on our journey of discovering design, hearing, we talk to him about Design Thinking, Innovate, Integrate, Impact. Hello, Dipankar. Welcome to Avantika Design hearing podcast series. It's a pleasure for us to host you on our show today.
2: Okay, same here, Rohit. Uh, really nice to be here and uh, possibly ha- share some exciting uh, ideas, thoughts with your design universe.
1: Super. So let's start with the first one, Dipankar. We all see the world through the lens of our personal experiences, but of course, and unless we break through our own perspective, it is nearly impossible to deliver solutions that meet the diverse need of the users around. The question that I have for you there, Dipankar, is what are some of the ways that can help designers to look at problems from a different perspective and to build better outcomes.
2: Yeah, I think you laid out the context very well, Rohit. Uh, it, everything starts from a personal experience. And, uh, you know, the greatest education that a designer can do, uh, can, can partake in is essentially to be a listener, to be a spectator and to absorb and immerse himself or herself into the overall human experience. As much as you can travel, as much as you can empathize with different people and different uh, uh, cultures and different societies and different situations in life, the better you will be as a designer. Empathy is one of the biggest foundations, building blocks of a great designer. Uh, I'll give you a case in point, Um, often a problem that is given to you is something that you do not relate to at all. For instance, you could be a man and you are given the challenge of designing a personal hygiene product uh, for women. Uh, How would you go about do that? Yes, obviously, there are processes of research, processes of uh, immersing yourself professionally in research groups, talking to different women, etc. But all of those will fall short if you have never, ever tried look around you and all the women that have been part of your life if you have not thought of empathizing with them ever if that thought had never stuck you all your life then in those two weeks of research yes you could get some great insights but what your life experience would have given you um, that will that that can't be substituted so I think where I'm coming to is Uh, it's a human-centric design because you're designing for human beings. You need to understand humans. You need to understand what their problems are. You need to be empathetic and open-minded. And the first step that you can take towards that as you are growing in your journey as a designer is to open yourself to life experiences and always have an open mind and open eye and an open ear and receive everything inside. All those data points will go on into building you as a great designer
1: wow that's absolutely relevant and well said the uh, completely agree to how you go out there and connect the dots in this in, in this beautiful way and obviously the more the uh, data and information that you are empowered with the better is the uh, ability to go out and take a decision there and while we talk about all of these things the bunker let's talk about your journey Having an experience of more than two decades, you have a diverse set of expertise. You worked with companies like JWT, Leo Burnett, uh, and Sachi, built your own startups, written and shot films as well. From being an editor and co founding Blah to vice president innovation at Nihiland, we are excited to know more about this professional journey. Did it all work out as seamless? And as simple as it all sounds right now in this question, or were there a lot of turbulences and a lot of challenges? Can you take us through your professional journey?
2: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a middle-class guy with a very middle-class upbringing, uh, with middle-class expectations of from your family. So obviously, you can imagine... Uh, I I have, my my life journey has been full of disappointments for others, but excitement for myself. And that has always kind of fueled my journey forth. Um, I think one thing I realized very early on in life is that you get, I mean, what today the kids say, YOLO. Uh, I think I did not know the acronym back then when I was growing up, but I realized it's just one life I'm going to get. And I'm going to never get this opportunity again. And which is why I said uh, to, to not try different things is a sin, is a cardinal sin, right? And which is why I've always kept myself open uh, to trying different things out. And uh, yes, you rightly pointed it out. Uh, it has been not easy uh, because I started off, uh, you know, with my honors in English literature. And after that, I kind of tried to figure out the most conventional thing to do then was to go for an MBA. Uh, I cleared the cat, by the way, I I, I got through a lot of institutes, but I I could never find myself as a management with a management degree. Um, I tried uh, my hand at mass communication as well, but I dropped out uh, because I did not see it adding too much of value. Um, Having said that, you know, I I do not, uh, I'm not somebody who doesn't respect education. I just feel that education is what remains with you when you have forgotten everything you have learned. All right. And so when wh- whenever I found something that was a valuable, I tried to pursue that. In India, we are often uh, limited by the opportunities at hand when it comes to education. So which is why, uh, you know, today, you know, institutes like you, yours uh, are kind of trying to change that thing, which is great. Uh, but back then, it was very difficult. They were only straight jacketed options. So with that, I kind of started my journey in advertising. I tried uh, different agencies in India. I worked abroad Singapore as well. And then uh, what happened essentially was um, uh, I, I wanted. I was really passionate to, to for films and cinema. Um, I mean, even today, if you ask me, what is your, what do you want to do? Uh, I would say I really want to make films. That's all I want to do. Uh, so I tried my hand uh, at films. I made my own short films and eventually went to work with uh, a lot of directors in Bollywood. I worked with uh, UTV Spot Boy films, uh, uh, with iDream Pictures on a few f- projects as an assistant director. Um, and then kind of uh, again went back to advertising. And then over, over the course of time, I really uh, you know, was fascinated by the world of glass design and glass making. So, um, on one of our trips to Italy, my wife and I we discovered glass blowing, uh, and we decided to really pursue that. So we used to live in Singapore then, and there I kind of picked up a, a glass blowing glass blowing course uh, at a Jane Cowie school, uh, and after that went for a more advanced course in Italy in Murano, uh, where we spent some time uh, learning that. And after that, we came and started our own product design and, uh, you know, luxury lifestyle experiences, designs, uh, designing solutions for uh, such companies. Uh, And uh, we did a lot of work um, as a part of that journey while we were building that company. We also uh, started an e-commerce venture. And this was right in the beginning of uh, when the entire the VC uh, race was happening. Uh, But, uh, you know, we we built a pretty strong foundation, a lot of magazines talked about us, a lot of media talked about us. Uh, So we found investor interest and uh, we exited uh, the company after selling everything off. And after that, I was really searching for something exciting, something that would essentially bring together all my life experiences into one place. So my understanding of brand, my understanding of materials, uh, of design, of product, uh, of technology... And at that point of time, uh, a small startup was coming up in Navi, Mumbai, uh, made by, um, uh, founded by a man called Mukesh Ambani. Uh, It was a small startup called Jio, which turned out to be the world's biggest startup. And uh, I was part of the initial uh, team that kind of laid the foundation for uh, Jio's innovation journey. Uh, So I was working with retail innovation and uh, overall product and brand innovation and experiences there. So spent some time there. And then uh, essentially, uh, we kind of uh, started a journey uh, called Hyper Collective, uh, the brainchild of uh, one of my initial mentors, Mr. K.V. Sridhar Pops. Uh, He's an advertising legend and uh, somebody had started my career with long back. And he had this idea of creating a collaborative ecosystem to solve business and marketing problems for all companies, and uh, that's where the journey of Hyper Collective started, uh, where uh, we built a collaborative ecosystem, solved very complex problems for a lot of large iconic brands, uh, and then essentially, um, you know, last year, 2020 January, is when one of our uh, closest technology partners, which is a global uh, uh, technology solutions company called Nihilint, uh, they saw a strategic synergy in us coming together, and they acquired us. And uh, as a result of that, I'm today the uh, chief innovation officer of Nihilent and working on some very, very exciting brands globally, uh, trying to solve problems, trying to bridge creativity, technology, and brand together. Uh, so that's me in a nutshell. Um, uh, obviously, uh, it sounds more exciting than it really is. Um And funnily enough, you know, the other day somebody was asking me, what's your dream job? And uh, I was telling that person that, you know, I don't dream of labor. Uh, So I I don't have a dream job. If you ask me, I would never dream of working. Uh, So what I would really drop to do is dream on and perhaps, um, uh, yeah, make films. Uh, So that's what, what, that's who I am. That's what I love. But as of now, my occupation wise, yes, uh, I'm trying to lead innovation for a company called The
1: Wow, that is quite some experience, the punker I have a few quick questions there. One, do you show off that you are a college dropout?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I love being a dropout. <laughs> when you are a dropout, uh, you 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 value what you have, uh, whatever little you have learned, uh, and uh, you also are able to mentor a lot of young people who want to drop out. Because, you know, if you drop out, you need to have a very strong reason for that. And more often than not, I see today's generation, they don't have strong reasons. They just see, you know, that guy is a dropout, therefore I can also be a dropout. No, but what is your own personal experience? What is all your own personal passion? What is your reason to drop out? So I actually mentor a lot of young kids and don't let them drop out. I say that here is a dropout telling you don't drop out. Finish your education because you seem to need it.
1: Wow. That is that is absolutely amazing. Interesting. And while you spoke about your journey, you also mentioned about Nihiland, a global consulting and services company that uses a human-centered approach for problem solving and change management. Currently, it has launched a new multimedia brand campaign called it's Humanizing Technology that aims to use humanity at the center of all things to provide a better human experience. The question that I have for you there, the punker, is can you tell us more about this campaign and, and this approach?
2: Yeah, let me tell you about the approach first. Um, and this is something which the founding chairman of our company, Mr. L.C. Singh, um, he, he really drives this entire idea of humanizing technology. You can't have technology for the sake of technology. Uh, technology has to impact life. And the only way it can impact life is if you can understand the life experience in the life situation. What is the current human experience that you're trying to improve? And then if you are able to understand that human experience is then that you will think of, OK, what can I do in, with technology? What can I do with communication, etc.? to make that human experience better. So over the last, uh, I think, four years, uh, you know, Nihiland has invested a lot of resources, a lot of strategic interest in developing uh, human-centric design labs across the world. Uh, We have cutting-edge technology to help uh, understand what the current human experience is, uh, be it using facial uh, recognition and emotional tracking to using, um, you know, optical tracking to look at uh, uh, you know how people are responding to screens, uh, to even looking at uh, simulating physical spaces and trying to use technology to map what are the challenges within that physical space. Uh, and then uh, combine that with uh, the entire design thinking architecture uh, on which by the way, we have our own version of it. We have a patented version of uh, uh, you know the entire design thinking approach that we use to then solve problems, create strategies, and then bring in the best of all the uh, pieces together uh, to kind of solve uh, the impact the human experience. The campaign is simple. Uh, The campaign essentially just talks about that technology without having the human being in the center is evil, is redundant, is useless. So that's what the campaign is about. It's supposed to provoke that question in people's mind and then want to know more about it. Uh, There is not too much that you can read about, but um, essentially, it's a, also a strategic shift in the way we are talking about ourselves uh, to the world. So the campaign is essentially just a way to provoke that curiosity and initiate discussions uh, with the relevant audiences.
1: Hey, did you know Nihilint has won the 2020 Microsoft Partner Award for Azure, Internet of Things? The award recognizes Nihilint's leadership in customer impact, solution innovation deployment and exceptional use of advanced features in technologies over the past several years well that is really interesting and uh, a very exciting a very different campaign uh, that's out there in fact along with nihilin you've also been building and leading hyper collective as chief innovation officer and worked with different clients like Nestle, Starbucks, Tata, and many others. The generation of ideas for breakthrough innovation, the Punker, requires creativity, and it is something that cannot be forced. What is your creative process that helps you to be focused and in a zone to generate innovative ideas? Yeah, I think
2: the first and foremost thing is a passion to solve problems. If you are someone who is passionate about the tools in your hand, then you will not be somebody who is ready to solve problems. So for instance, if you say, hey, you know what, I'm great at Photoshop. So if somebody comes to you, you will always think of a way of using Photoshop to solve that person's problem. But that's not what the person has come to you for. The person has come to you to say, hey, solve my problem, I have a problem. It might not need Photoshop or it might need Photoshop. But what can you do with it so the passion should be not for what you know but the passion should be to solve the problem once you have that passion and drive you will always be in the zone you will want to seek newer problems newer challenges you are not you're not going to be uncomfortable if you are talking to a brand or a client whose category you don't know nothing about you will try to learn more about the person and the company's Ecosystem, you know, because of that, we have been working across categories, be it BFSI, B is hardcore technology companies. We're helping technology companies market themselves, position themselves, uh, build better technology and all of that, understand the consumers better and all of that, uh, to working with biotech companies, to working with uh, pharma companies, to working with crypto exchanges, uh, so it's, it's really about having a passion to solve problems, to venture into the unknown, and then figure out how do you solve that problem. And which is why the collaborative nature of our business is also very powerful. We become custodians of the problem. And then if the solution requires five more disparate skills, which we do not have, we're ready to collaborate with open arms and work together with specialists to solve the problem as well. So that's the approach, Rohit.
1: Wow. I think I, I really love... uh. The concept where you said that we become the custodians of the problem, which talks about the responsibility that you're taking in the behalf of your client to actually, uh, you know, accept the problem as something that you also passionately want to go out and solve. And then, and and that's uh, truly inspiring. Absolutely, yeah. In fact, the While uh, we spoke about your journey and the organizations that you've been associated with, let's move to the world of. Uh, design and technology, uh, something that you worked in. The difference, Dipankar, between the human species is the ability to adapt by virtue of evolving our understanding of the system around us. However, every person's journey of raising their adaptability is unique and varies depending on their specific strengths and development areas. The question that I have for you there is what are some of the ways designers can improve their adaptability skills to navigate through new and unexpected situations? Something that I, you know, from from what you expressed about your work, I'm sure you go through uh, these challenges. So how, how do you navigate through these?
2: Yeah, I would want to say a couple of things here. One, obviously, is this, you know, what I talked about the passion to solve problems, if you have that passion, then you would always be hungry to learn more, right? Because you want to have the necessary capabilities uh, to be able to solve problems, you will be ready ready to learn at all times. Um, The day you think you know everything about something, I think you stop to grow. Uh, it's, It's become something of a cliche, but I've seen too many people around me. Uh, In whether it's be be it in partners, be it in colleagues, be it even uh, you know, very senior people who think they have they don't need to learn anymore. Uh, Which brings me to my second point you know, Roger Federer has a coach. Why does Roger Federer need a coach? He's at the top of the game, he's the goat. Why does he have a coach, and why do we don't? We don't have a coach today. We feel we have learned something in college. Uh, we learned something over the years, and now nobody can teach us anything. My my best coaches are obviously some of my mentors. I'm, I'm fortunate enough that somebody like Pops, uh, you know, uh, he's always there. And he, by the way, is the youngest person in our team. He could have had 40 years of experience, and he's above 60 years of age. But he's the youngest person, always ready to learn, always ready to uh, explore new things and try different things out. You know, the biggest reason why I joined and hands with him and kind of been working with him for the last four and a half years is because I think at some point of time, I felt I'm not growing anymore. And uh, i had spent enough time in the industry, had done a lot. i had run my own companies, but I felt I still need a coach and which is where Pops came in. Uh, and uh, I love working with him. And some of my other coaches, even better than Pops, are the younger ones. So even interns that we hire, or even uh, young candidates who come in, they bring in a very different perspective, uh, often at looking at problems and everything. And to be able to learn from them and not have ego come in the way is one of the most powerful things that you can build for yourself. That allows you to keep learning. Uh, And obviously, today, the internet is a boon uh, so nobody has any excuse anymore honestly all of us growing up had excuses Are, paisa nahi tha. Yeah, you know whatever yeah you know we did not our parents did not allow us but now you can youtube anything dude so nobody has an excuse anymore all options of education learning continuous learning always evolving yourself is there it is only your inability or your uh, procrastination or your ego that's coming in the way so that's what i have to say i think continuously learning is very important
1: wow absolutely well said the i'm and and completely relate to it learning as a process i don't think ever ends and you keep evolving and especially in some of the industries that uh, all of us are part of uh, you know especially when we talk about human centered design when we talk about technology when we talk about innovation i think keeping ourselves updated with what's happening around in the world and consistently learning is is important out there. And while we were talking about this, uh, uh, the bunker, it it actually brings me to my next question, which is on innovation. I mean, innovation is associated with open-mindedness, creativity and experimentation, while execution, on the other hand, is focused on seamlessly planning and refining a business plan and strategy. Organizations need to master both innovation and execution in order to remain relevant and resilient over time. What I wish to ask you, Dipankar, there is how can organizations foster strong innovation and execution culture to help employees both innovate and execute? And in fact, Dipankar, uh, there's a lot which is written around that, that this is something that... Uh, the Indian ecosystem also lacks, uh, to certain extent. While we have our own homegrown innovation that we call as jagad, but um, uh, unlike uh, the 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 Western countries, we've not really had innovation-based organizations out there. So how can how can we foster this? What's your view on it? Yeah,
2: it's a very very valid question. Uh, it's a question that is relevant across different fora. I think this entire idea that the chief innovation officer is a cowboy on a horse who will come and make a company innovative is wrong. A company cannot be innovative because they have hired an innovation team or an innovation officer. A company needs to have innovation in its culture. What does innovation mean? Innovation essentially means to be open-minded, to always be ready to accept newer ways of doing the same thing and to be always ready to solve problems uh, with the the simplest solution, with the simplest way from point A to point B, right? Uh, That's innovation. Uh, We are not trying to invent the wheel again. We're trying to innovate and make things better, right? Uh, So innovation, as, as part of a company's culture, a lot of, you know, leading companies, you hear about uh, things like uh, you get an extra hour every day just to do your own thing. Great. I, I, I think that's, that's a great thing. But one of the one of the found, founding principles of innovation is to not have um, to to not allow your team and your employees and your people to be afraid to speak out, to say things in a meeting that culture of fear is the biggest hurdle that I would say 99% of organizations have, which does not foster innovation across ranks. And since nobody speaks up, everybody is comfortable doing their own thing in the way the processes dictate, and therefore nothing changes. And therefore a chief innovation officer comes in, therefore an innovation cell is built, and therefore they have to use accelerators. Uh, So I think... It's a cultural change that's required, um, and it really requires a lot of introspection from the top down. Only then will you have a bottom-up innovation culture. When you introspect from top, top to down.
1: Wow! Absolutely, well said, the In terms of, um, you know, how do you actually go out and plan this entire process and 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 deploy out there? And in fact, we were recently recording uh, this podcast with. Uh, uh, you know the design uh, team lead at 3M, and he was also sharing about uh, the entire culture of innovation, where 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 the uh, organization encourages you to go out and actually work on your project of your own, and 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 I think that's completely uh, marvelous in terms of creating uh, a platform, creating uh, create creating a culture uh, for for your team members to. Uh, thrive there in fact while talking about this the bunker i also uh, wish to know your thoughts about uh, you know human centered design and um, you know human centered design and inclusion always go together uh, focus on human needs and an empathetic approach to everyday interactions are both critical ingredients for generating inclusion what i wish to know from you is how can we apply a human centered approach to growing diversity and inclusion to generate innovation?
2: So I could give you a simple answer uh, to this, uh, Rohit. Uh, I, I think, uh, and this is, I think, more relevant for um, uh, countries like the US uh, and Europe. Uh, from an Indian perspective, I would say, yes, diversity is important. Inclusion is important. We see very few women today in, uh, in, in large technology companies, even in designing companies, the gender ratio is completely off. Um, you know, even forget about even technology and innovation, even when you look at advertising company, uh, there, 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 are, there have been so many opportunities where the, the, the quality of the work could have been far richer if it was a woman handling the brand because it's her product, it's a product that she uses, she internalizes it and uh, she would have ideally written a better ad for it or understood, gained a greater human insight about it. But it's not there because there are just not too many women there. So I think uh, inclusive inclusivity and uh, uh, diversity is important. Uh, what human centricity teaches you is empathy. If you are empathetic uh, towards different kinds of human beings, you would always have uh, diversity as a cornerstone of recruitment. And uh, and if you have different kinds of people in any kind of team, you would be able to get different perspectives, which will help you therefore becoming more empathetic, understand the human condition, and therefore you innovate better. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a no-brainer that you need diversity in a team uh, to be able to innovate better.
0: Hey, did
1: you know? Nihilink has launched the COVID-19 Mortality Incident Tracker, also called as Comet, a software as a service or SaaS that offers help medical examiners across the world track and investigate the deaths that have been caused due to the COVID pandemic. Wow, well said. In fact, you know, having come from... Uh, an experience in branding as well, the I wish to pick up your brains on 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 something related to brand loyalty as well. In fact, brand experience is one of the most favorable aspects to emerge in customer research over over the last couple of years. The kind of vibe that a brand has, how it communicates and expresses its quality and vision with the customer, helps a brand bridge the gap between. What they promise in advertisements and what they really deliver the question that i have for you is how can designers build a holistic branding experience that triggers brand loyalty
2: yeah i think the first thing to understand is what is a brand uh, i mean a brand is obviously on the scale of evolution you have commodities then products and then you have brands and now brands themselves are turning into experiences Uh, But beyond that, you know, a brand is essentially the sum total of all perceptions that people have about you. Simply put, it's a sum total of all the perceptions that people have about you as a company, you as a product, you as a person. That's what a brand is. And as a designer, when we approach a brand or, or let's call a spade a spade, when you approach elements of a brand... So be it product, be it uh, a store experience, be it packaging, uh, be it form, uh, or be it function as an industrial designer. What you are really trying to do is influence the perception of people. Yes, uh, uh, you will try to understand what they need. uh, You will try to understand the competition and all of that. But what you will also try to do is somehow try to influence the perception of the people towards the desired perception that you have, because that's what the brand is. So therefore, uh, when you work with some of the greatest teams, design teams in the world, you will realize that all designers are living embodiments of the brand uh, that they are working for, right? Uh, they, They understand the DNA of the brand. What is the essence of the brand? If you don't, and you are just coming in and trying to work on the packaging of the thing or just the form factor of the thing, you will get it wrong because, yes, you might make it the most minimalist or the, uh, the most uh, uh, avant-garde kind of uh, design that you think it is. You might follow all brand guidelines, <laughs> so, so just, just so documented, but you will never be able to influence the perception unless until you understand what is the perception that the brand desires for itself in the minds of its consumers. So uh, I could actually talk at length about this, uh, but I think for this session, uh, that's my point of view.
1: Absolutely, completely agree to you. In fact, while we've been talking about uh, brand, human-centered design and innovation, I want to add one more element uh, towards this. And in the interest of time, as we're nearing towards the end of this conversation, the millennial generation has grown up gaming and interacting with people in the immersive digital worlds. The arrival of virtual reality took the sophistication of online interaction to a whole another level. What is the future of virtual reality, according to you, and how is it going to disrupt the design industry?
2: Yeah, it's a brilliant question. It's a question, it's a topic close to my heart. I believe these terms virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality will cease to exist uh, because what's going to essentially happen in the future is that we will coexist in a simulation and in reality. Uh, the simulation will essentially be a part of our reality. Uh, there will be no uh, virtual vis-a-vis augmented so to say. Uh, Do note that when we see these technologies around us, when we see these headsets around us, when we see these experiences around us, do note that we are in the beginning stage of it. Uh, If you you look at uh, a guy called Bob Stone, who has been working on virtual reality and augmented reality since the 1980s, you will realize after seeing his body of work that nothing much has changed. Yes, the form factor might have changed. Yes, the graphics might be on uh, Unreal Engine now. But honestly, what he has done and what we have done now, nothing has really moved, not even an inch ahead. All right, So we are really at the infancy of this technology. As we move forward and as this blends seamlessly with our real life, we will need to rethink everything. We will need to rethink what is user experience. There is no one person today. I'm, I've rarely come across designers who understand user experience and user interface for a for a uh, you know an HUD or a uh, for in any kind of uh, uh, augmented reality experience, nobody understands it. Uh, when you especially think start thinking about uh, something like a, a Hololens or uh, you know if the Apple Glass comes out uh, this year or the next, very few people have cracked it. I hope Apple cracks it. Nobody gets design and people better than them, uh, but there is a requirement to understand what is interface design for this new world that we're coming in? Uh, the way, the disruption that you saw with icons destroying the DOS world and a GUI coming in, that does, you will see 10X of that disruption in the world of design uh, when it comes to augmented uh, and the XR world that you're kind of talking about. Uh, so the leap is going to be tremendous and uh, the designers really need to start thinking about what that world is, their own imagination, their own version of that.
1: Wow, absolutely well said. And while we were talking about technology, Dipankar, that brings me to my last question. At Avantika University, we find the term design hearing, which is a unique combination of design and engineering. The question that I have for you there is, do you think both these concepts blend in your work and could help young designers achieve something exceptional?
2: Absolutely. Uh, I think what you guys are trying to do and perhaps have achieved in creating a breed of designers is stop this siloed approach towards uh, these three functions, which is industrial design, uh, visual design, and user interface design, and uh, this entire thing about uh, you know pure play engineering, coding, and etc. These need to coexist. Uh, A developer, I I believe every four-year-old today should start knowing how to code. Because if you don't know how to code, you won't be able to survive in the future. You don't need to be a developer to know coding. You have to know coding. It's the ABC. Uh, And then if coding is your baseline, then you really need to understand form factor. You need to understand uh, a sense of design. So I think what you guys have done is essentially broken those silos and brought it together. It's very important. Uh, We have been trying to solve it by bringing in uh, a diverse set of talents within our team. Uh, But yeah, uh, designers, I hope we get more designers to kind of join us in our journey ahead.
1: Great. Thank you so much, Ripankar, for validating this. It was an amazing conversation with you. Thank you so much for making time for this.
2: My pleasure, Rohit, and uh, uh, all the very best for your journey there at Avantika. You guys are doing a great job uh, both with this podcast series and with your attempt at building a new generation of designers
1: hey welcome to our new segment where we host a design startup studio every month where you will get to hear about them and their story for the entire month and it gives me a lot of pleasure today to talk to arna vagarwal the founder at Embed Design. Welcome Arnav to Avantika Design Hearing Podcast Series. Thank you, Rohit. So Arnav, can you tell us something more about Embed Design? We hear about it serving the user experience requirements for its customers and even visual communication and design.
3: Can you tell us about Embed Design as a story and its journey? Thanks, Rohit, for hosting us today and asking that question. In our recent observation, we have seen that the world is moving toward a digital space, right? No one can imagine a world without their smartphones. And how does this happen? Now, there are various kinds of digital products out there and the experiences which they provide. Now, the kind of applications or the websites which you use out there has to deliver a particular experience which you like the most. And you have to go back to the websites again and again, right? That is what we are. We at Embed uh, design experiences for our customers, now we serve both b2b and b2c uh, space and that's where uh, we add value to our customers now we recently have designed an interface for the elderlies where we have seen that how difficult it is for that age group uh, to uh, to use the interfaces what uh, you know people of our age group uses right so we had to reimagine the experiences for for that age group and That is the entire process about, you know, how can you, how can you uh, provide the kind of experiences to your users, how can you study your users, how can you realize and recognize what is that they need uh, uh, at first, right, so those are a few things we do at Embed, Uh, we are six months young, Uh, we recently completed our six months, and uh, for us, uh, designing is all about empathizing with our users. When you look at a user, we, you tend to observe them. You, you tend to shadow them. Uh, while in the process, you look at a few pain points they might be going through or they might be suffering, which they might not feel, but but it is there, right? So how can you actually study our users? How can you actually mm-hmm. let them uh, understand or, you know, the entire process? And how can you involve them? Uh, so that you know you have major of the insights from them, and finally you get to a situation where you get to design for them, keeping every single pain point in mind and that's where uh, the user experience of a digital product comes into the picture. How can you serve the people for the kind of pain points they are feeling and and facing right so that uh, that is what we are doing at embate right now
1: Wow, Arna that is amazing, and that's really inspiring. So who are you going out and serving? who are your customers and how is it different from multiple different agencies that exist out there?
3: Talking about our customers, uh, we serve both B2B and B2C spaces. Now, how are we different in terms of uh, our customers from other agencies? Uh, We look at people who are who are willing to develop experiences around for for various uh, platforms, for various domains. Uh, We have worked for healthcare uh, sector. We have worked for uh, EdTech, which is a new domain. Uh, We have worked for EdTech. We we work for uh, Spaces, uh, which needs uh, a massive improvements in the uh, experience sector provided by digital products. And it is not just uh, based in India, but also globally. So we we look for people and we look for companies uh, who are change makers who who wants to uh, deliver a a quality product and experiences to their users and to their end customers. And that's where we come into the picture.
1: Well, wow, that's interesting gap that you've identified, Arnav. And uh, you know while you are serving both the B two B and B two C customer, it's a it's a very interesting thing. But this also brings me to my next question asking you about what's so different about Embed Design as an organization. There are so many design studios out there, startups out there, who are trying to solve the same problem uh, for, for its customers. How are you different?
3: Thanks, Rohit, for asking that question. I think the only thing which makes us different is the young perspective, what we bring on the table, right? Uh, so now we are a bunch of young individuals with a vision to embed customer experiences with various brands out there and looking at a problem media from a young perspective in order to create a positive and meaningful output. And I think this helps us uh, look at various other perspectives as well and how can we actually include all of our stakeholders, uh, making them realize and being a part of the entire process because in design, most of the other agencies uh, happen to have the entire process doing uh, all by themselves or they divide resources right uh, in order to solve that particular problem or in, or- in order to design a particular thing. Uh, we at embed uh, make sure that all the stakeholders are equally participating. Uh, this happens in a very Uh, activity full of uh, gamification format wherein uh, each and every stakeholder feels, uh, you know, uh, equal, each and every uh, stakeholder feels valued, and they know that what is that they are participating in, and what will be the, uh, you know, predicted output, or what can uh, be the. Uh, you know, ultimate output out of it. And that is what really helps us because the more we interact with our stakeholders, the more clarity we have towards what is that uh, the business goals are, what is that the end, end customers might be needing using the research what we do. And I think that is what makes us different.
1: Wow. Thank you so much, Arnab, for sharing your viewpoint. And we look forward to more interactions with you in our coming episodes. Stay tuned. Thank you, Roy.
0: Hey there, we hope you enjoyed our show. Do write to us on ads at the rate We look forward to your opinions, feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show. Do tune in our channel next week on Wednesday for a new story on Hubhopper or wherever you get your podcast from. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.